Good morning. Happy New Year. Hey? Was it just like, oh, it's a new year. I don't know. I don't know if it's happy yet. I'm hoping. I hope it's a happy new year. I'm trusting for a happy new year. Um, I hope you are trusting for a happy new year. I am excited. I, um, I really feel like that this year is, I, I know we come to the beginning of the year and everybody's like, it's time for new things and I'm going to, New Year's resolution, it's this is the year of witness the fitness and this is the year of the body and this is the, I'm going to, and then it's like, we're on the seventh already and everybody's like, I fell off that bandwagon already. I've canceled my membership, given my month's notice, Virgin Active, I'm not coming back. Um, no, and I really felt like there's something that I wanted to share this morning about the fact that the world is looking for an answer. And as a believer, the answer is inside of you. And so, Lord Jesus, I ask this morning, would you come and just... Um, by your spirit, would you just open up the word to us that we could see you, see your truth, that we would um, hear what it is that you have to say. Lord, would you speak against um, our culture and what we know to be normal, and we want to submit ourselves to your word, the truth by which we live our lives. In your wonderful name, amen. I mean, you know, in South Africa, we have this very weird attachment to New Year's, and it's, it's not necessarily like this all over the world, but specifically in South Africa, because from when you're about five or six, you get brought into this rhythm of every year in January, it's new. You go to a new grade, and you progress through school, and then you eventually get through school, and you're going to study it. Wow, Okay. And you go to study, and then you go on to the next year, and the next year, and the next year, or you, um, you get a job, and everything is based annually. And so our time frame is locked very much into January is the beginning of something new. Most people would finish studying, and so they would start new jobs in January. And so, sorry, that is, yeah, that's a first. <laughs> and so... Um, we get caught in this rhythm of every January, we almost come to this expectation of like, well, something new has got to happen. Oh, what's, what is God saying to me? What is this new thing? What is, and I want to say to you, I am excited for the new year too, but I feel like for us, it's much of the same. And the same is a good thing. And there is something that um, God wants to do inside of us that is not so much of, God, I want to level up and go to the next level and become new, but actually, God, would you continue to do something in me that you have already started to do? Is that okay? But so if we look at the world around us, and if you don't read news because you're one of those people, I'll give you a little bit of a highlight. Maybe you don't, aren't aware, but there's some big things happening in the world. If we look at the Middle East, we all go, I wonder what's going to happen there. If you look at America, they've got elections. You go, I wonder what's going to happen there. If you look at South Africa, we've had an election coming this year. We go, I wonder what's going to happen there. If you, if you look around you at the world, you look at Lodshed and you go, I wonder what's going to happen there. There is so many questions and, it, and what happens is when we're uncertain about what the answers are, you start to almost find yourself feeling a little bit anxious find yourself wondering, find yourself scrambling. And I feel like the Lord wants to settle us and he wants to say that inside of you that there's something that he didn't just start doing in January the 1st. 
There is this new thing that he started to do from when Jesus died and rose again and when you accepted him into your life and you surrendered yourself, he started doing something new then and he wants to continue to do that thing inside of you. And it's because the answer to all of these questions of what is going on in the world is inside of you and it's Jesus. Thanks, babe. Sam saying it's good at least. Just a reminder, if you haven't been at church for the last two weeks, you're allowed to encourage, you're allowed to smile, you don't have to death stare me, promise, um, you're allowed to be friendly. Is that okay? Thank you. <laughs> Presidents and politicians are not the answer. ESCOM being fixed is not the answer. A new president in America is not the answer. Big change in South Africa's political climate is not the answer. The hope of the world that lives inside of you, that is the answer. Knowing Jesus, having a relationship with Him, living your life out of a place of security is the answer. My whole December that I've had like, I'm like the rest of you. I also don't read my Bible as much. Check if I was like, oh, skanda. I don't have to preach as much, so I don't have to do as much research. But there's been one theme for me that's been running through that the Lord's been speaking to me about, about the importance of us being secure in what God has done inside of us. That as a Christian, you're not, I'm in one day and then I did something bad and I'm out the next day. And then I've got to come to church and get back in. And then I'm out again because I did something wrong. And then I'm, I'm back in again because I did a few things wrong. Based on what I do is whether I'm in or whether I'm out. And it's, it's not. You're in based on what he did. Not what you do, what he did. And what he did affects what we do. We live out of the fact that Jesus has saved me and he's given me a hope and he's given me a security that this world can fall apart and it doesn't affect how I feel because my security is not wrapped up in this. And so it is a happy new year. <laughs> but I preached in another congregation at the end of last year and I said, but let me just give you a disclaimer. If you're not a Christian, if you don't know Jesus, if you're not a believer, it's not, you're not guaranteed a happy new year. Just matter of fact, because like Nick said, it will be up and it will be down. The West and, the, and the, the political reforms and the way that social justice and caring for people, that's not the answer. Fixing the world's problems and it's not the answer. But the answer is what Jesus has done inside of us. If we can turn to Matthew 5 verse 13. But you, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That actually the answer to what is going on around us lies inside of us as believers, and that is the fact that we have been given as salt and light to the world. That we've been given to bring a preservation and a flavor like salt was in those days. Like that's where the saying comes from. Sometimes soldiers would, would be paid in salt. Hence the saying, he's worth his salt. It's, it was a means of how you paid people. It's, it's we are given, the Lord has done something inside of us that is unique as a believer. 
that adds flavor, that brings something different to a dying world. The same as salt preserves meat from rotting. If you pull the believers off the planet all in one go, it'll go to hell quickly. Is that saying that it's our job to prevent it? No, but it's a symptom of who we are. We are salt. When you go into your work, when you go back to work, maybe you're already at work, maybe you never stopped working, <laughs> there is something of Jesus that you carry inside of you that is different, that brings flavor, that's not overwhelmed and, oh, woe is me. And there is something different inside of us because of what has happened inside of me. Just me? And it's not the fact that it's a new year, new me. It's a fact that I'm a new creation because of what he did for me. It doesn't take knowing a lot of things to make an impact in this world. Do you know that you are called as a believer? It says, what good is salt if it loses its saltiness? Why do you, why do you put a light and then put a basket under it? If God, is, if God has saved you, if he's done something in your life, it's because he has a purpose for you. And it's to make an impact. It's not to, 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 have, to bring no flavor. It's not to shine no light. He wouldn't save you and then put a basket on top of it. For every single one of us, as you become into the family of God, you get given a plan and a purpose and a destiny. And it's not because you must do more. It's a part of being salt is that it's salty. It makes an impact. If you haven't been making an impact, I hope that's your New Year's resolution. <laughs> as a Christian... As a believer, if you look back at your life over 2023, because hindsight is 2020, how much did your walk with Jesus impact the world around you? How much did the light shine into the darkness? I'm not saying by your good deeds. I'm not saying by, by helping people. No, it's far more than that. It's not, this is supposed to be uplifting, like a message, just by the way, disclaimer. It was going like that in my head. When Nick's like, what are you preaching? I'm like, it's super encouraging. It's super encouraging. Thank you, Sam. It doesn't take knowing a lot of things. It takes knowing and being gripped and being mastered by one thing. It takes one thing to make an impact on this world. It's knowing him, knowing Jesus. I really hope for me this year, again, like every other year, what do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? I just want to know him. I just want to be near him. I just want to remain in him. I just want to abide in him. I want to be quick to come back to remaining in him when I don't. I want to be quick to when I mess up, coming back to him and being like, God, I messed up, but I'm here. I'm not out. I'm in. Me too. There's a tragedy. Some, some of us, this is what can happen sometimes. We, get, we, get, we don't care about making an impact. We don't care about actually in this world, this is my plan. I want to have a great job. I just want to have a secure job. South Africa's not even a great job. I just want to have a job. I promise. It's, it's not easy for everyone to have a job. For some, it's just, I just want to have a job. Hopefully, I'll get a car. And if I have a car, I kind of like a nice car. Maybe a house. In Cape Town, it's like I'd like to rent a nice house. And then if you're really living the dream, you're like, maybe I could own a bad house. 
I'd love to find someone that loves me or be in a marriage or get married or, or my marriage to be healthier or happier. Not healthier. We don't care about health. We care about happiness. I'd like my marriage to be better for me. I'm, I'm promise you're laughing. This is how you think. I want to be happy. Happy wife, happy life. I want a happy family. I don't want my children going to jail and being arrested and doing wild things. I want my kids to grow up and become doctors and support me and I can retire. I want, to, like, I want these amazing... I'm, we laugh, but like, these are things that people, we give our lives for this stuff. I want a great family life. I want to make sure my kids have got all the things that kids need. I want to make sure that every need of theirs is met. I want to make sure that I can be the best parent I can be without it costing me too much. I don't mind financially, but I'm talking about personally. I want to make sure that I have a bit of security. I want to build a bit of a nest egg, have a pension of sorts, have a game plan. Be ready for retirement, make sure. I'm talking about this is what a lot of us, I mean, you, you, some people are looking at me like, no way. I promise you, this is how most people live their life, building these things. These things are the goals. These things are what determines where we live, where we go, what we eat, what, where we sleep, how we get up or go to sleep. Or, I promise you, these things determine our every day. These things. And I want to be healthy. I've had this like inner conundrum. It's partly because medical aid prices always go up in January. But I said to Sam, I was like, I'm so bummed when, I, when every month that medical aid thing goes off and it's literally just a hospital plan. And I'm like, that's more money than I used to earn as a whole salary is just for a hospital plan that I haven't used in 10 years. I'm not saying you shouldn't have medical aid. I'm saying I realized that for me, it is a massive part of my money that I'm like, this thing is important to me. Even if I don't use it, I want to make sure I have it. Our health is important to us. You can tell. You can tell what's important in someone's life by what they spend their money on. You can't argue with me on that. You can tell me other things are more important. I'll say, put your money where your mouth is. And that's the tragedy. Is that that's what our impact on the world can look like. And this short little 80 years that we have is like, yo, remember him? He had a nice car. <laughs> he had a like a house. Now, at the end of our life, this stuff is vapor. It's vapor. It counts for nothing. Again, I told you, encouraging preach, right? What, do, we, do we go to the end of our life and like, hey, God, but at least I was happy. Look at my stuff. <laughs> I had some things at least. Like, let me give you a, a small insight into uh, the Apostle Paul. He wrote this scripture that, that is mind-blowing, and I think it's challenging for all of us. In Acts 20, verse 24, he says, but my life, but my life is worth nothing to me. Unless I use it for finishing the work God assigned me by the Lord Jesus. And for Paul, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I'd like to say, aside from the purpose of God in your life, actually, everything else is nothing. And when we land there, you find security. Because all that stuff that I was describing, I, I guarantee you this. You might have a lot now. You won't always have a lot. And if you did have a lot, you'll remember that you haven't always had a lot. There are times when you have nothing, and there are times when you have a lot, and there are times when you have nothing. And so the more you pin your security on this, the more your life will feel like this. 
But Paul, he says, this is my reality. If you ask me how my life is going, if I am just stagnating in my job, just building my little castle, having my little family, doing my little marriage, carrying on every single day, all day, doing the same thing over and over and over, then my life is worth nothing unless it's used for the work that God has assigned me. I want to ask you this morning, if you're a believer, if you follow Jesus, what is the work that God has assigned you to do? And I'm asking, if you know what it is, can you find a passion inside of you to live it out? Another statement, these are little phrases I wrote out. To make a difference in the world, you don't have to know a lot of things, but one thing, and be willing to die for it. Philippians 3, verse 78. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of what? Being ministers, preaching the gospel, doing amazing church things, going to, maybe your goal is like this year, I'm going to go to church every single week. Or this year, I'm going to be a good Christian. That means that, that also counts for nothing. Church attendance, you also don't get to go to heaven with a badge. We don't give gold stars. Hey, just so you know, Lord, 2023, 48 out of 52. And those two weeks was because the church was closed. And those other two weeks were in my leave. So actually, that's 100%. This stuff, it all comes for nothing. Aside from when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. All of this means nothing aside from knowing him. Jesus would say, he says, this is eternal life, to know God. For this sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Do you know what the reality is? Sometimes you can't hold on to all of these things. And to actually grab hold of the thing that you want, sometimes you have to throw other things down. You can't want temporal security all the time and want to count for Jesus no matter what because they contradict each other. And so at some point, you have to let one go and pick one up. The, the Bible phrases it like this. It's you, if you want to save your life, you've got to lose it. But if you lose your life, then you save it. You can't hold all of these things. It's, there is one thing, and that one thing we can hang on to. Is that okay? Cool, just checking. Tony, give me something, bro. Just like a, that's average, Dan. Keep going. <laughs> Not only do you have to just know one thing and be willing to die for it, you just have to know much. But if you know one thing, be willing to die for it, but also be, to be willing to live for it every single day. Christianity is not something we're just willing to die for. You know, we paint that scenario in our head. Well, would you die for your faith? I think sometimes it's easier to die for your faith than to live for it. I'm saying that not as a martyr, so disclaimer. I think it actually is really tough to die for your faith. I think it's a true test. But to live for it, for that to be the purpose of why we get up in the morning, to carry that purpose into my job. Maybe, and this is why New Year's for some is super encouraging. Maybe you just got a new job. Maybe you just moved to Cape Town. I experienced that. I rocked up into 2020. Like, this is the year of new beginnings. We, we landed on 2019, December the 1st. 2020, the 1st of Jan. I was in Cape Town, baby. Boom! We arrived from the land of north. So I can relate. 
Maybe you, maybe you have had a massive change and you've got a new job and there's new things kicking off in January. And that's amazing. But I think for some of us, nothing's changed other than we've just had maybe a week's holiday. And I coming into this new year like, okay. And I'm saying, this is the thing that helps us to find purpose. Not our leave, not our... Your impact is in knowing God. And as you spend time starting to get to know Him, you start to become like Him. And when you start to become like Him, you start to do the things that Jesus showed us that we do. And so the worst type of Christianity, the worst thing you can do as a believer is to say, this year I'm going to do amazing things for God. Because that too will end up in June, July. You're just like, I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to do no more things for God. On top of all the other things I'm doing. No, no, no. When you want to know Him and be near Him, you love doing things for Him. It's not tough for me to serve Jesus. It's why I exist. Are we willing to live for it? Galatians 6 verse 14. Again, Paul writing, he said, As for me, so this is Paul saying, As for me, Paul, May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. Because of the fact that I have been forgiven and saved, I, um, I don't know if I wanted to say this statement, but now I'm here already. I found myself wanting to ask a lot of people, I might make pastoral work, but it's okay. I'm keen to have coffee. Um, if I had to ask you as a believer, what are you saved from? We use that term, I'm saved. I've experienced God's salvation. He has saved me. What has He saved you from? This world? The worries, the cares, sin, the consequence? Totally. But do you know what He has ultimately saved you from? The wrath of God. As a believer... You are saved from the wrath of God. We really don't like that because the wrath of God is something we don't like to talk about or discuss. Or, because the wrath of God is, is what, it's the, front facing God, it's the front facing side of God's holiness towards anything not holy, anything sinful, anything that falls short. And the result of that is destruction. But as a believer... Because of what Jesus has done, you're saved from that wrath. It means when you become a believer, when you become a Christian, you're spared from that. It means even though you sin, you're not a sinner anymore. You're treated differently. The consequence is your sin can be forgiven and removed and taken away and washed over. And so we don't live like those that are, I'm in trouble with God, I'm not, I'm in trouble. And that's often shaped by our worldly fathers. I mean, I, I know that I'm sometimes a super harsh dad. And so we can see ourselves as like, oh, December, I didn't read my Bible. This is my first time singing a worship song. I've been singing like all the Happy New Year songs and Christmas carols. Like, and so we come into church early in December like, okay, I'm experiencing a little bit of God's wrath. Like, and then we come into the meeting and we're kind of like, God, I'm sorry. It's me again. What's up? Like, I'm back for 2024, I promise. That's not how it works with him. When you've been born again and you, you're a child in his household, unless you 
literally, and it's a whole nother conversation, unless you say, I no longer want to be a child, and you walk out, you're a child. And so when you walk in that back door, even if you've been AWOL for a month, he doesn't look at you and think, oh, where's he been? Man, let's, let's, let's keep the good stuff for these few who came to the front and jumped up and down. Like, that's not how he is. I digressed. I didn't want to go there, but I did. Our God is a loving God because he is an all-consuming fire. It's his holiness that gives us the ability to sing that song. This is amazing grace. Because grace is the fact that I got something I definitely didn't deserve. Grace is the fact that there's no ways that I earned myself into this thing. He's the one who's done it. And so that produces something inside of me. And so if you want to make an impact, if you want to count for Jesus, if you want to, if you, and I hope you do, I hope you do. If you don't, there's something wrong because you've been given a life and a purpose and a breath to do something. And for this year, I would love to challenge you. If you didn't do something, if you were a passenger, can you step it up? Not through, I'm going to try harder. No. Look what he's done for me. This is all that matters. This is why my life is here. I want to count for the kingdom. I want to see people get saved. I want to see the kingdom of God advance in my life and in other people's lives. Sam and I, um, we, we went on leave in December. We were um, helping with uh, like all the other congregations and uh, other Josh Jens. And so we didn't really have a break, but, but this congregation, everything went quiet. It was like everybody died. It was great. <laughs> it was just no, there was no drama at all. Um, and then this week... Um, on one day, we just, it was like, it was hilarious. I got, I got messaged super early in the morning, like, hey, I need help. Can we meet now? And then it was like, we had meetings from 9 o'clock in the morning until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And it was just like the new year hitting and people hitting a lot of difficult stuff and calamity and trouble and problems. And as I looked at that, I just realized, I was like, my word, when you, and, we, and the point of that story was we, in one of those things, I saw God do deliverance in a girl again in an in a, in a area of her life that was determining the way she lived. And when I saw it, when I saw Jesus come into her situation and change her, I was like, oh my word, this is why everything else means nothing compared to this. This lady's experienced freedom and she is going to be different for the rest of her life because of what Jesus just did right now. And I'm like, man... That is the salt that he's called us to be. That is why you are in your work environment that you're in. That is why you find yourself in every area because he is sovereign and God's providence has put you where you are and there is purpose. And I know I'm reiterating a few simple things, but I really hope that that's what we catch this morning. If you're a believer, there is a purpose to your existence. The world needs answers and it lies inside of you. And then secondly... You don't have to make it happen. You just respond to what he's done inside of you. You push into Jesus and you will find yourself being effective in the kingdom. I guarantee you. When you stop loving others, I, I, I can often tell why. I'm just real. I know me. When I'm struggling to love other people, it's because I'm not connecting with him. Because when I connect with him, I realize, yes, I am trash. I'm a terrible person, actually. 
I really am. I'm, I can be grumpy. I can be a miserable. I'm really. And I connect with him and I realize how much he loves me. And he wants to spend time with me. And he takes pleasure in me. And he loves my, my singing. Even though I don't sound like Merv. He loves my singing. And he loves my worship. And he loves when I want to push into him. And then when I see others, I love them. Because I'm no better than anybody else. John 15 verse 4, and then I'm landing. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's leaving. And so in, in John 15, he's, he's, this is like significant. You know when you had like a conversation with somebody near the end of a certain time, and everything they say is significant for you? Maybe it was like your mentor at school, or your dad, or a, a, a bigger figure in your life. But sometimes you have those conversations that just ring in your ears for the rest of your life. This is one of those moments for Jesus' disciples. He's teaching them super important stuff that they're going to remember for the rest of their life. And he says this to them. Remain in me. This is, a, this is an instruction from Jesus. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Remember that he's, they're about to witness him die. If you are feeling like super far from God, I want to tell you that he, come, he literally says this as fact. If you remain in him, he will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's cut off from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. If your life lacks fruit, if you're lacking saltiness, if you remain in him. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That means to just try and make things happen in your own ability is a waste of time. But instead, as you press into Jesus, as you seek to know Him, and for some that means literally praying, spending, God, I want to know you. I want to read about you. I want to learn more about you. I want to grow. It's, it's those conversations. And so as believers, as we begin to grow in our walk with Jesus, so we begin to be an answer to the question that the world is asking. Can I pray for us? Lord Jesus, I'm so overwhelmed by your grace. The fact that we can even call Father, we can call you God, the Creator, we can call you Father. Jesus, we can call you our Savior. Like we sang in worship, thank you for what you've done for me. I want to ask Holy Spirit that um, maybe there are some who've come this morning who've felt, I don't know, not excited about the year, with more questions than answers. I want to pray, would you come and put a purpose in their heart again? For those who felt far from you, Lord, would they feel your grace right now? Would they feel your kindness and your nearness? That as we draw near to you, you are the one who draws near to us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that it's not by being a good Christian that we make an impact, but it's actually, like you said, by just remaining in you and being close to you. So Lord, I ask for your kindness. I ask for your nearness. Um just felt I just wanted to share um, what I was feeling in worship actually um, and maybe some of you can relate um, but I started running last year um, and it was something that I never thought I would be able to do and um, yeah, I put a lot of time and effort into it and eventually by the end of the year I was able to run a 10k race which was huge for me um, and over the last week I would say probably since the end of December that week, 
I haven't run at all. And um, I've been feeling like I'm losing it, like I'm, I'm losing my fitness and almost scared to run again because I'm scared that I'm going to not be able to do it. And during worship this morning, I really felt the Lord just say to me about running, <laughs> but we can apply this to any area in our lives. Like, don't give up. Don't give up. It's something that I started last year, like Dan was sharing, last year. Don't, don't think because it's the 1st of January, it's a whole new set of things. Like, just don't give up. And um, yeah, I just want to encourage us with that this morning. And another thing is with, with running. I just felt like um, the Lord say to me about running, um, you need people around you to run this race with. It's much easier when you're running that 10K race. There were thousands of people running with me, and it just felt like I can do this because there's other people pushing me. There's other people running with me. And I, yeah, I just want to encourage us with that this morning. Just don't give up. Those things that the Lord has laid on your heart, those things that the Lord has set out for you to do from long ago, just don't give up. All right. Let, let's stand. Um, you, you know, this... <clears throat> This walk and this race that we're called to is not, is not a passive thing. We, it, it, it takes action. You know, the word says that uh, what the heart is full of, the mouth speaks. And, and where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Um, and we need to fill ourselves so that us being salt and light is an overflow of what's in the heart. Um, and if you're, not, if you're not at his feet, and, and I, I mentioned when I opened up that I, I wrestled even just for 30 minutes to find his face so that, I would, that there would be an overflow of what was coming out of my mouth would be uh, from him and so that I would be light. Um, but it takes, I can't just sit on my bum and expect that I'm going to get filled and I'm going to remain in him because the world is fighting for my heart. You know, there's a whole big, there is a large marketing department that is spending billions and billions and billions of dollars to own this property. Um, and if I give myself to that and I yield myself to that thing, my heart is going to be there. That's where my treasure is. You know, my, my, my job, my car, my pension, my house. Um, and there is a fight for that thing because the heart is deceitful above all else. And I need to fight to give the Lord what is His. And I am His so that I would be a salt and a light in the world. So even as we're standing, you know, the, the worries of the world choke the seed. And when, when I was fighting to spend 30 minutes with him just to find his face, it's the worries of the world that keep trying to choke the life out of me so that my heart would go towards these things that are temporary and all-consuming and, and fueling this anxiety and the stress. But when I find his face, all of that finds its place and it's nothing. It's vapor, like Dan was saying. It is, counts for nothing. Um, and I was reading this book. There's this guy that and some of you might not believe it or disagree, but he was uh, investigating near-death experiences and people's encounters with the Lord or not with the Lord um, when they had died and then they were resuscitated. But the one thing that stood out for, for me in reading this thing is when Jesus asked these guys to give an account for their life, you know, they, they say like my whole life flashed before his eyes. He didn't ask them about their stuff in their position, in their careers. He asked them, how did you love? How did you love? How did you love me and how did you love the people? That was the, that was the common thread through these near-death experiences. The Lord asking, how did you love? 
And that's sobering. How were you the salt and the light to those around you, in your workplace, in your family, your, your, your spouse? So let's commit now, as, we, as we're going to worship, Father, would you help us love you well, God? And would you fill us so that we would overflow and reflect you well? God, and not even in a striving, but in a resting in you, finding our peace and our security. Um, Lord, you, you, you say that you're the living water. Uh, and, and life would flow out of us when we find your face. So even this morning, let's present ourselves. God, would you fill us now? Father, would you open up dry wells? Even uh, where we've built dams, God, that we're holding all of this knowledge and all of the truth and, and, and life that you've given us, we're holding it to ourselves and we're not sharing it. God, would you break down dam walls and let your life flow out of us? Father, we pray for an open heaven that we would be able to um, find your face when, when we settle down to encounter you, God. Would we find you? Even as you say that you reward those that seek you, God, we pray for a reward, Lord. Come this morning, God. Would you start something in us this morning, God? Let it flow, Lord. Let it flow, God, into those that want to drink. We want to drink from you this morning, Lord. Come, my God. Come, my King.